What up? What up? What up? Yo, you are now listening to the GOAT Talk, brought to you by the Scott Bros. Yours truly, Travis Scott. You can call me Trey. And my brother, Eric Scott. You can call him Eric. And hey, we we bring you the hottest takes this side of the Mississippi. I don't care what side of Mississippi you on. We bringing the hot. We bringing the flames. We bringing our opinions. We having good conversations about basketball. And we, we pretty knowledgeable at it, I must say. So, hey, listen, subscribe, share on your various streaming platforms. Do all of that good stuff. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public. All of it, you know, we love all we love all the love we've been getting, and we want to continue to grow. Tell all your friends, tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell everybody. This the goat talk, greatest basketball conversation of all time. Let's get it, baby. Enjoy the episode. What's up, you guys? Um, hopefully, you enjoyed part one of our Go Talk episode. Um, you know, our schedules conflict a lot, so we be having to go at random times and stuff. So it's like we we try to when we do talk, we be trying to get it all in, get it all in. So yeah, this next episode, we we go in a little bit deeper into the um, what is. The second part, we going a little bit deeper. We continue. We start off with Malcolm Brogdon at the top, and we go all the way down. We even get into a little bit of hot stuff. So hopefully you guys like that content, and we're going to continue to pump it out for you guys. So, yeah, keep listening, and thanks. Yo. Hello. Yo. What's up, man? Not much, man. We we back. We back in the day. And uh we had to we took a we took a break and we we were talking about the free agents and um not a lot has happened between now and then, but uh I think we were on Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> And uh, I was going on about how it's a <clears throat> it's a particularly great move for the Pacers, man. Um, I like it simply because uh, it's like, yo, Victor Oladipo is coming back. They just they got T.J. Warren from the Suns. Uh, I think he's going to be their, their starting uh, either power forward or small forward, maybe. Uh, since uh, Daddy is young, they let him go. Um, and I think the Pacers are going to give the team some teams hell, man, in the East. I really think so. Well, you know what? Here's the thing about Malcolm Brogdon, man. I mean, my bad. The thing about Malcolm Brogdon is, and here, well, the thing about the Pacers, I love that move because legit, the Pacers were, like, competing for that three C in the east and to the bloody end. Like even after Depot got hurt, 
they held on to that three seed as long as they could until, you know, the the the, the lack of talent just kind of um, took over towards the end of the season, especially once Philly made that trade. But if you look at Depot coming back healthy, you know, I guess somewhere around midseason, we should probably expect him to come back healthy. I haven't looked at any kind of any kind of medical reports or anything. Um, but I imagine, you know, one year later he'll make his way back. Um, and they pretty much have the same team. And you add in Brogdon, and that's what they needed. They needed another guard. They bring in another guard. Man, I am saying right now that the Pacers are a sleeper pick in the East, a sleeper pick to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just going to go ahead and put that am, right now. I'm definitely right there with you, man. I think, like, you look at all the top teams in the East, uh, Toronto definitely got worse losing Kawhi. Um, I think they kind of lose half a tier. You know, they kind of they kind of fall into maybe Boston and um, – you can you can they they fall into like the Boston territory, but right now you got um, Philly at the top, and then you got uh, Milwaukee. Philly and Milwaukee are the two top teams in the East, and then I I mean I might throw the Pacers in there, man. Depending on how they're playing, I mean um, they lost Bojan uh, Bogdanovic, which. Yeah, he went to the Jazz, man. He uh I was gonna get to him next, man. That's, but, uh, that's tough. That's tough, man. Yeah, they lost him. Uh they basically kind of replaced him with uh, you know, Brogdon or whatever, but you know, but uh Boyan, he uh he kept them afloat, man. He really did. He was averaging like twenty when Depot was out. And uh I I've seen videos of Depot online, like him uh posting workout videos of himself. He looks you know, he he definitely I can tell I mean he's back, you know, back working out or whatever, but he's he has a while he has a ways to go. But I mean he looks good. I think he'll be back healthy, like you said, mid-season, probably around Christmas or something like that. I saw a report not too long ago said uh, December for Depot. But I think that the Pacers, you know, that was damn good move, man. I think that also it creates a situation where we can see what Malcolm Brogdon is com- capable of. Like, we know he's good, you know, 50-40-90. We, we know that. We know 50-40-90, you ain't no slouch doing that. But it's like one of those things where – you don't know um, what he's fully capable of when he's playing in, in Milwaukee because it's Giannis's team. And then you got Chris Middleton and, you know, you got um, Eric Bledsoe. So, you know, it, I feel like, especially in the first part of the season, we're going to see Malcolm Brogdon probably surprise the league and just how much he can do. So, uh, I'm feeling that. That's definitely – I know we're not doing – I know the, the cap, no cap segment is over. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no cap. I'm feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, no cap. We're kind of in, like, the mid-tier guys. Um, we can go ahead to Bojan, man. He he was he was great for the uh, for the Pacers, man. He really – he held he uh, he held it down with the scoring and uh, kind of became, like, their, you know, their scoring leader or whatever. But he's not – that's not his role. I feel like uh, on a championship team, he may be your, like, third option at best. Yeah. Uh, 
but he's um he's definitely a guy who can put us some points and we see he can you know he's capable of leading the team to the playoffs and giving by himself kind of he kind of led that team almost and it, given that team has some cohesion to it they have they've been together for a good minute so i, I didn't i necessarily didn't think they were just gonna fall off the map because indiana is still a solid team and um who did they play in the first round? I think they played Boston. Um, but remember. it just – yeah, I really can't even remember. I think they had like the fourth or fifth seed or something. Yeah. I think they – yeah, I think Boston, they were – they were uh, played Boston in the first round. But, yeah. you know, they just – sounds right. Coming, coming in the um, – you know, coming into the playoffs, you know, um, I think that he was exposed a little bit. Um, they probably, you know, in the playoffs, everything is exposed. So he got exposed as the only really offensive weapon on the team. So that was pretty much spelled the end for the uh, for the Pacers right there. But uh, had him and Depot got some more chemistry, I think they definitely could have uh, gave the Celtics a fight and maybe even won that series. That would have been nice to see them win. But uh, him in Utah, man, that's – that uh. That's big. Um, him, um, he really solidified Utah as a. Uh, you want to talk about dark horse contenders uh, in the in the Western Conference Finals at least? Yeah, because like I, I've already stated this. The Conference Finals is coming through LA some way somehow. It's coming through LA. It depends on what other team is going to be there. Is either going to be the Clippers, Lakers, and somebody else. Like it's it's so Utah. Um, I feel like Donovan Mitchell is on. This is going to be his uh kind of breakthrough season into uh stardom, all stardom. You know, we're going to start to see him uh show up in some all star games. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is definitely going to get that. And um, for the love of God, man, I just. I mean, I like the players in Utah. I don't want an NBA game, not an NBA game, like a Western Conference Finals game in the freaking city of Salt Lake City. I mean, I mean, they, uh, the fans are going to be dropping in bombs and pushing players. And, I mean, they, they're going to have one, two million um, uh, um, <laughs> cranberry juices. You know, they, they, they get too, they get too, a little bit too lit when they drink sugary juices. Uh, Navy out there. Oh my God! Like you know, it's not a it's not a secret at all. The NBA that the 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 fans of the Utah Jazz are the worst fans uh, in the league, and um, just because of that city, not because of the team. I like Mike Conley going to Utah. I like Bojan Bogdanovich going to Utah. I like uh, I like Spider. I like Donovan Mitchell. That's my dude. On and off the court, I think he's one of the best guys in the NBA. Um, I want. I like Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't want that city to have anything to celebrate. And that's just me being biased, and I just don't want that to happen. But if they earn it, they get it, man. You're right. They a sleeper. And not a sleeper. They're um, I think they really got to put it all together, but they got the pieces to do it. Good Lord, they got the pieces to do it. They really remind me kind of the Denver Nuggets, how they're just kind of 
piecing together a cohesive team where the sum of all the parts is, is equals more than any individual player. Um, and I do want to see Donovan Mitchell get busy now. And Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Mike, can we talk about Mike Conley, man? What, what do you think about that trade? Man, that trade was – I mean, it was great for Mike Conley. Um, I mean, clearly the Grizzlies wanted to move in a different direction. Uh, they got the number two pick, thanks to Adam Silver. Uh, and <laughs> they wanted to – you know, John Morant was right there. Um, so it's nice. So he should be exciting. Yeah, he should be exciting for Memphis. Um, they got Jared Jackson Jr. over over there, and um, Mike Conley. Mike Conley is definitely very. He's gonna help Donovan Mitchell in more ways than Donovan Mitchell even knows. I saw him um the other day, I think on the jump, and he uh they were talking about how you know Donovan he was showing him, he was saying you know he's working on he's just already trying to pick his brain or whatever because you know. Mike Conley's been a guy who's been in the league for years, never been an all-star, but has always been, like, right below that tier of, of you know, really, really good point guards. He's always been right below Russell and Steph and Chris Paul. He's always been right below them. It's only because of that what? stupid grit and grind offense. Like, yeah. it's just like no one wants to watch. No one wanted to watch the Memphis Grizzlies play that style of ball. <laughs> and he was a prisoner of that. He he fell victim to that boring ass style of, of, of basketball. And so I, I can't wait to see him out there in Utah. You know, just let him fly, man. Just let him go out there and do his thing, man. Let him spread his wings and fly. Hello. Yeah, my bad. I, I... Yeah, but we uh definitely I think um I think Utah is solid team. Boyan was a good pitcher pickup. Um um Donovan Mitchell, I feel like he's gonna average about twenty five this season. Get that all star berth. Woo, twenty five? Uh, yeah, man. He already averaged he already averaged like twenty. He already averaged like twenty his first two seasons in the league. So why not? Yeah, man, 25. I feel like he's going to be the leading scorer for them guys. I feel like uh, he's just going to kind of break out, you know, and really uh, Mike Conley is going to help him a lot. Um, Mike Conley can shoot the ball. Ricky Rubio couldn't shoot. Uh, he can, he, yeah, he could, he can hit a, uh, he can, he can pull up for mid range, but as far as spreading the floor, shooting, hitting threes, Mike Conley is butter. Like, he's really nice shooting at shooting threes, catch and shoot, whatever. That's something Donovan needs to work on as well, being, being off the ball a little bit more. Uh, Mike Conley is definitely a facilitator and he's a floor general. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, I think Utah's going to be solid and I think that. That move for you know Boyan, that I mean he's gonna give him another score option too. Like he can average you know sixteen to eighteen points on that team and be real solid for them. Uh, um, Trey Young said they were asking Trey Young about his transition to the NBA, and you know one of the things he stated was just 
realizing how good people are that you don't even know how good they are until you play play them in the NBA. And the first name that came to mind, he was like, dude, you have no idea how good Mike Conley is. <laughs> He's like, I'm watching this guy before I get to the league. And I was like, oh, that's Mike Conley. And I played Mike Conley. Dude, he's dope. Like, he's good. And that's that's what hoopers know. Like, people who take the time to pay attention to him, they're like, no, Mike Conley actually can hoop. But, you know, you play in Memphis, you know, it's ugh. You know what I mean? So, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think he's going to unlock Donovan Mitchell. I think that team gets unlocked, man. I think, I think they can really be fun to watch. And it's going to be just one of those teams that – you know, through the season, because no one's turning on the TV to watch the Utah Jazz to begin the season with. I don't care how many people they added to the team. Um, but midway through the season, around that Christmas game, they're probably going to be like 10 games over 500, you know, a very respectable record. And folks are going to start talking like, okay, what's Utah doing? Like, man, they got the fourth to fifth seed in the in, in the West. What's going on? What, what, what they working with over there? I think they'll be chugging along. They're going to steady chug along. You know, they're going to get some nice wins over some key. That's really what they're going to put them on notice, really, when they go into L.A. You know, when they go into L.A. and beat beat a couple of these teams, beat, uh, you know, say if they do a uh, back-to-back with the Lakers and Clippers or something like that, and they beat both of them, I guarantee you they'll be on notice right then. Um, and they play them like four times a year, so it's gonna be it's gonna be nasty out there in the West, uh, especially all these teams got to come through LA and play the Lakers and Clippers. The West is just gonna be a whole different animal this year. Um, Hell yeah, man! Here's the and my my thing about the NBA this year, I doubt if we have a team surpass sixty wins in the NBA this season. But I also think there's going to be a lot of teams right in that 48 to 56 game uh, win range because this is like a battle every night. And I don't think um, even though there's like the Lakers and the Clippers and the 76ers, you know, they look like they have the makings of what could be a very dominant team. But I don't think there's one team that's just going to be able to – just confidently be the favorite every night. I just don't. You know, yeah, Braun and AD are, like, fucking scary. And, yeah, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are scary. But, like we just said, they, if, 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 if AD and LeBron are, are – if PG and Kawhi are staring at Rudy Gobert, and, you know what I'm saying, now Rudy Gobert has an offense, you know, that can help – I mean – before that team was just all defense, but now they're looking at then the Nuggets. The Nuggets ain't slouching. I, it's, it's just every night it looks like there's going to be a tough game, and I oh I don't I don't think any team's going to surpass like so one team one or two teams might hit sixty on the dot, maybe. Well, you maybe. It, only one team hit sixty this year. Um, the Bucks only. I think they would they hit sixty. That's like Bud's magic number. Um, yeah, he got that sixty-win season, man. So. Um, it's it's going to be, and I think that the other thing about it is, you're right. Only one team hit sixty this year, and you look at, but the thing about it is, so many teams got better. Like individually, if you look at every team and say, "Oh man, you got better," you should be able to maybe get 55, 60 wins. But everybody around you got better, so all the records are going to be suppressed. Because I think the biggest thing is also some of these bad, you know, 
historically bad teams, they got better. So those easy wins aren't going to come as easily anymore. The Suns, the Suns look like they might be knowing, they might know what they're doing right now. I still think they like totally trashed their draft day, but you know, they picked up some pieces and now they look like they might have a freaking team that can, you know, not get beat by 25 points every night. Um, Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, uh, New York, we'll see. Well, New York, no, I'm not going to hate. New York has some good pieces in there, too. It, those easy wins don't look like they're going to come as easy this year. Worst team in the NBA is going to be the Charlotte Hornets. Hands oh, down. by far. Um, <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and what's bad is I think they're the only terrible team in the league. Like, time would tell. But I think they're gonna be the only terrible team, so they're gonna win like ten games. Yeah, I think the rest of the league is gonna kind of really beat up on them. Uh, you can <laughs> say the Suns, but I think the Suns are kind of like you said. They're they're you know, the West is just gonna be, you know, it's so stacked and it the, it's so much parity right now in the NBA. I'm loving that word parity. Um, because it's just I uh, you really you can say who's gonna win the championship. Who? Who? You don't know. Um no idea. You have no idea who's gonna win that championship. And that's I mean, it's cool. I love it. And the middle of the NBA is just I mean, it's never been more fun to kind of be in the middle almost. Teams are, you know, some you're gonna have some of these young up and coming teams trying to get into that middle trying to sneak into the playoffs, like the Kings, the Hawks, the Bulls, you know, the Timberwolves, the Suns, like they might be trying to get into that that middle tier and, you know, push some of these teams at the top. And I like it. Um, and you're, you know, you having all the, the, you know, there's no super teams no more. You know, most of the good players are duoed up. And KD's not even – KD is hurt this year. You know, Clay is hurt. KD's got to be sick, man. KD know he want to hoop this year, man. I know he want to hoop, bro. Ooh. Like, oh, I know he want to hoop. This This is the year where he could get a ring and truly be the king of the town. Like, if he won a ring in, in, in Brooklyn this year, he would, like, completely surpass LeBron as the best player in the league because he would do – he would have done it without a super team. Um, uh, But, you know – if if was a fifth, we all be drunk. <laughs> yeah, well, we got another uh, middle tier free agent who signed as a big fish, Chris Middleton, man. Um, what the fuck? And he, he kind of showed the door for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he signed for five years, one hundred ninety million dollars, uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and man, man, oh man. Um, I wonder is there like a way he could have not gotten that max like that? Like, I mean, I know guys be they be like, well, you know, if the contract's on the table, what you do? You sign the contract. I'm like, yo, I would. I ain't gonna lie, I still would. But at the same time, if my agent or if the Bucks are telling me, hey, you maybe can take 165, and we can keep Malcolm Brogdon around. How would you feel about that? You know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's selfish on Chris's part because, damn, hey, you that anybody offer you that contract, one five years, one ninety, sign, hurry up before before they take it back. So, I mean, what do you think about that move? Because Chris Middleton, 
man, he's not that. He's not that guy. I don't I mean that that's the contract you give a guy who's averaging 24, 25 points a game, who's a real true superstar. He was a reluctant all-star this year. Like he got in off some, oh, the Bucks are the best team in the league. And I I guess you're the second best player on the Bucks. And uh Victor Oladipo's hurt. Uh so we gotta kinda go ahead and put you in there. Like, that's, I mean, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Like, well, how do you feel about the whole Chris Middleton? You know, I'm calling him middle tier, but he signed a, a big fish contract. Bruh, I said it. I said the way I feel as soon as you said that contract, as soon as you said his name. What the fuck? Like, that was my exact reaction when I was on Twitter and I saw the reported sign. I mean, we all knew the Milwaukee was going to sign him. But when I saw five years, $190 million? What the fuck? What? Chris Middleton? This is the Kent Bazemore of max contracts. Ooh. This is the... And by that, I don't mean any disrespect to Kent Bazemore, and I don't mean any disrespect to Chris Middleton. But what I do mean is sometimes, and it's a... Here's a here's a you, you'll you'll see the common denominator. Sometimes a team overvalues their own player, and they put too much value on continuity. Ooh. And because they overvalue that one player and they overvalue that continuity, they overpay that player, and it creates a situation where a good player, Kent Bazemore's a good player, Chris Milton's a good player. Chris Mills is a better player than Kent Bazemore. I'm not saying they're equal players, but in relative dollar terms to their contracts, Kent Bazemore signed a four-year, $70 million. Uh, Chris Milton signed a five-year, $190 million. There's no way either one of those players ever have a chance of living up to that contract. There's no way it's going to happen. No way on God's green earth. Chris Milton is going to live up to a $190 million contract. Dude, Steph Curry won an MVP on a $44 million contract. <laughs> you telling me Chris Millicent is gonna live up <laughs> to 190? Nah, he just went down in production this year, and he was like honestly one of the worst. He was not worse than Eric Bledsoe during that uh, Toronto series. But he, he disappeared. Tell her how it is. Don't 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 pull the punches, man. He disappeared. He disappeared. Uh, I think the first two games when they went up on Toronto, two zero. He was, you know, I think that game one, he got hot, hit like seven threes. And, uh, you know, and I mean, he can do that. He can, he's a, now nah, he's a sweet shooter now. Don't get me wrong. Sweet shooter, the book is he's, shoot. I, he, that's he, what I'm saying. He's a good player. He's, he's a, a good, good player. player. And he can get a, he can get his own shot from time to time. He's not that guy, really. And that's really the thing, because he's a sweet shooter. Now, he's, he's, a, he's a really good shooter. But he disappears at times where you like, Damn, is Chris Middleton on the floor? And that's gonna be even more of a glaring hole when you're like, wait, is 190 million dollars missing from this game? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just Chris Middleton disappeared. 190 million dollars disappeared. Yeah, like we, I need to see that guy because you see Giannis, you know, and and this is the this is the run up for Giannis being, you know, actually wanting to come back to, uh, he actually wanted to come back. But I mean, it's like, what are you gonna do? 
uh, Giannis, like, are you going to come back? You know, are you like, but this is the team that, this is the team that's going to be around for the next two years, basically, until the contract is up. So yeah. they, they, I mean, this is. And they're going to they're gonna try to get him signed that extension this summer. He's oh, not going to yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be very smart if he didn't. I mean, I know loyalty is one thing, and he wants to prove and all, but, dude, you're going to get that money either way, every way. Like, you're going to get that money. And I think players are, you know, they're, yeah, they're saying players are leaving all this money on the table, but I'd rather leave money on the table than be unhappy in a situation because, you know, what, you locked into five years of Chris Middleton of him putting up 18 points a game, and you're like, what the fuck? Uh I don't know. That's that's really it. You know, he's not going to get above. Like, he's, I don't think, unless he just drastically comes out and proves me wrong and shut me up. I mean, a $190 million player, that's a guy who's supposed to average 20, at least 22, man. Just saying. I mean, that's the guy you you put a ball in his hands, you tell him, go get a bucket. Yeah. Go get me a bucket. And, I spoke of a common denominator between Kent Bays and Chris Middleton, and you already know who it is, Coach Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer. Um, he he was raised in the system of, of the San Antonio Spurs where continuity means more than bringing in a, a, a hot free agent or, you know what I'm saying, trading for a big-name guy. You know, Popovich stuck with Tim Duncan, uh, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. You know, he 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 had the role guys I mean, and the role players, and he stuck with them, and they improved every year because that continuity, that chemistry. You know, they know it. They after a while, you know where a guys gonna be. You know the sweet spots, and I feel like Bud overpaid for that continuity. Like, and when he was with the Hawks, you know, he was like, "Yo, we we Hawks University made Kent Bazemore who he is, so we gonna give him this contract because over time he's gonna grow into this contract." Go ahead, go ahead. I feel like Chris Middleton, I know Buzz, not the GM in, in, in Milwaukee, but we'd be a fool to say the coach of the year didn't have a very loud opinion in that decision-making room in terms of what that team did to keep Chris Middleton. And I'm sure Bud was like, no, 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 no. We got to give him as much money as possible. Him and Giannis, they're going to grow together. They're going to they're gonna excel together. Giannis works on his game. Chris is going to work on his game. You know, this is going to look like a bargain two years from now when we're winning the championship. I'm sure Bud says something similar to that in Chris's defense. And, whoo, $109 million? I'm glad he got the bag. I'm so glad he got the bag. Get that bag, young man. This is not an indictment on, on Chris Middleton, man. You got your money. If someone says you can have this money, you take it. You sign on the dotted line, and you come to work early, and you stay late. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For 190 million, first yeah. to, first to show up, last to leave. Um, yeah. But but that's that that has a huge potential to look like a terrible deal, especially if Giannis leaves. Oh yeah. Oh, if Giannis leaves, they're gonna give the Bucks crap for that. You know, they'd be like, oh, and especially if Brogdon produces at a similar level to to uh Chris Middleton. Like if I feel like Brockton can average twenty points a game. I feel like he could and like a like get his because he's so efficient, dude take five shots, he already got twenty points. Like he he's so he can he I'm just saying like 
Brogdon is really good. He's really good. And people, I think the the Bucks kind of underestimated how good this guy was. And it's like they were like, first of all, they really fucked up when they gave Eric Bledsoe that contract before the before the season was even over with. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, <laughs> I, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You saw what this guy did. I would have waited until the playoffs. I'm like, I would tell players, I'm only look regular season is cool, but we are here to win championships. Okay, I understand you had a career season or whatever. He, Eric Bledsoe possibly had one of the best, probably the best season in his career. But come to playoffs, man. Nah, he's a totally different player. I don't know what what's goes on with him. Like he shoots one, he shoots one three, he starts jacking up threes, he doesn't really go to the rim, then he kind of gets out of it. Like he just takes himself out of the game. And when he's so immensely talented, and then you got George Hill kind of coming in and calming things down, a guy who's making a fraction of what you make, it's like, yo, why are we even paying you? And <laughs> Like, why are we even paying? They gave him a four-year, $70 million deal before the season was over with. And it's like, why are you – they just gave him an extension. I guess he didn't want to hit the open market because he probably was like, uh, my market value might be around this. I mean, which is true. I think he probably could have got that on the open market somewhere. Uh, you know, people, teams would have maybe looked at Eric Bledsoe. But I think he just wanted to find a place where he can be, you know, just chill, which is fine. Go get that bag, but on the Bucks side, why did you do that before? You know, you kind of you already knew this situation with Brogdon, and you know how good Brogdon is. He's younger than Bledsoe. He's around. He, you know, he's around Giannis's timeline. You could you could have had the core of Brogdon, Bledsoe. Uh, no, nah, Brogdon, uh, Middleton, and uh, Giannis. You could have had that core, and I would have been like, mm, that's good. I'll, I'll I'll ride with that. We'll go. But who knows? We shall see. But uh, and let's also give a big shout out because you know I was raised in a Baptist church, and the good Bible, the, the good the good book, taught me that you are a blessing when you can be a blessing to others, and some other stuff about being your brother's keeper and, and loving your brother. Let's 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 have a amen and a hallelujah for Giannis Antetokounmpo who got his sorry ass older brother signed to a two year contract on his team. If that's not being a blessing, <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't even know he did. Man. What they signed? I think they reported the day before yesterday or yesterday. His older brother who played for some team in Europe and averaged like three points a game. Uh, he signed a two-year contract. He was dribbling with on Instagram. Yeah, I know, I know that was one of his brothers, but I didn't know that was like the older one. I know he had an older brother who got drafted to like the Knicks or something a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, then he was out the league. Same dude. The one who was out the league, he just signed a two-year contract. I know he has another brother on Dallas right now. I, yeah, he has a younger brother who they say could be the best out of all of them. I think is in high school right now. Yeah, Costos, Costas. It's his younger brother. His older brother is something like, don't get me the line. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Thanos, some shit. That motherfucker signed a two-year deal knowing they know good and goddamn well that boy can't play no basketball. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But because Giannis is a blessing to those around him 
he got his big brother contract. They trying to keep Giannis happy. That's really a smart move by them. And if he happens to work out due to some type of brother chemistry on some Lonzo ball, LaMelo ball type crap, yeah, then, hey, I'm, it's all good. But Oh, good. That's, yeah, I just had to put that in there real quick, you know. Um, uh, speaking of mid-tier moves, I know earlier in the podcast we had said that the home team hadn't made any moves. But, boy, oh, boy, have we made a move now. The Atlanta Hawks are active in free agency. You know, we are alive and well. We got money to spend. And we have signed no other than Jabari Parker. Um, who's younger than you think? He's only 24 years old. He played completely, completely healthy last year, so the knee is good. He had two knee surgeries since he got out of college, but he made it through the season and he averaged 15 points and five rebounds and a couple assists coming off the bench between playing between the uh the Chicago Bulls and Washington Wizards. And that's poverty. If you can get 15 points in poverty, I mean just impoverished conditions in the in the ghetto. If you can get 15 points in the ghettos of Washington, D.C., then I can't wait to see what's going to happen when he gets on the court and happens to be playing with Trey Young. When Trey Young makes everybody's life easier. And he's got John Collins. And he's got Kevin Herter. And he's got Cam Reddish. And he's got DeAndre Hunter. I just wanted to announce that the Hawks signed him to a very team-friendly deal. Two years, $13 million. How do you feel about that deal? I feel good about it. Um, I kind of like it for the simple fact that um, we we did it. We did that deal. I think knowing that we were going to get rid of Amari Spellman because he, he got traded. Um, because I was listening. I was. I I haven't been really keeping up with Summer League like that. I watched a little bit of. Uh, it's just. It's not good basketball. So I'm. Summer League is like such a tease. It's like so terrible. Zion, he, hey, I, I saw. We, we, we'll, we got to do a summer league pod. Um, I'll tell you what I saw from there. Zion needs to lose about 20, 30 pounds. Boy, but, that boy, keep him away from the gumbo, man. In summer league, I compare summer league to 2 a.m. Cinemax. And if y'all don't know what that means, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not what you're hoping for. You know? <laughs> for everything and uh, <laughs> Amari he I was just listening to a podcast he was there was like he needs to lose some weight like he he already had weight problems but he needed to he didn't he didn't come into summer league like he had a he had like a, a issue already with his weight but then he he had an ankle problem or something. Then he gained like twenty pounds. Then he lost some weight or whatever. And now he's been fully healthy. And it's been like two months since the season ended. And he comes in the summer league basically looking the same. It's Dude, like, I was. You know what? Instagram is a motherfucking liar. Cause I I looked on Instagram. I said, you know what? I don't even follow Omari on Instagram. But I'm a hawk stand. So let me search Omari Spellman. You know why I searched him? Because Cam. Uh, Reddish, I was about to say Cam Newton. Hell no, Cam Reddish. Um, had that video. The Atlanta Hawks had the video of Cam Reddish arriving in Atlanta, and he. I remember I texted you. I said, "Hey, Cam Reddish is actually as tall as um uh, Omari Spellman because he dapped up Omari when uh, when he got off the bus, and they were looking at each other eye to eye. Um, so I'm like, okay, let me go check on Omari Spellman. I look on the dude's Instagrams. He working out. 
He working out. He doing calisthenics. He got on dry fit. He in here in the gym looking lean. Man, on Instagram ain't nothing but, but goddamn angles and lies, man. <laughs> I know. I saw, I saw him when I saw, like, I didn't even watch Summer League. I saw, like, a, I think I saw a, a picture of, like, Summer League or something. Him in a Summer League jersey. And I, I think I might have saw a clip or two of, like, the Hawks. And I was like, I, I just mentally took a note. Like, yeah, he looked about the same. Cause I about the same. <laughs> the same. Like he didn't. I would not. I was even looking for him to. I was like, eh, he kind of looked like the same. Just a mental note. And then the guy said on the podcast, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He just. He was like, yeah. He just came in looking pretty much the same. Then you know, improve. And I think that was pretty much the last straw for the Hawks. Uh, I think they wanted to see some clear, you know, clear step forward with uh, Amari. Uh, that I guess they wanted to see him, you know, maybe come in and uh, lose about 15 more pounds, look a little more lean, look a little more ready to, you know, go at it, not just kind of trudge through the summer. They were like, you know what, Jabari Parker's on the market. Let's go get him. And let's, you know, more experience. We know what we're getting with Jabari. Yeah. Uh, the experiment's over with you know, with uh, Omari Spellman. It's just over. Yeah. And the thing about Omari, he's got skills. He's got really? skills. Like he, I still think he has a bright future as an NBA player, not so much as a starter, but as a, as a rotation player on an NBA team. But it's the, the ball's in his court. You know, he's got to prove that he's going to be fit enough. Like I was, I was talking to one of my um, friends online on Twitter, part of Hawks, you know, t- Hawks Twitter. And, you know, he was talking about, hey, I love Amari. Amari's our guy. Uh, he's going to be fine. You know, like what what he was saying was maybe Omar is just you know how, you know as black folks call people big bone. <laughs> like maybe he's maybe he's just big bone. Maybe this is just the way his body is built. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like like everyone's saying this is he should lose weight, but he's been his way his whole life, and I understand that. I get that. Um, but at the same time, in the Hawks' offense, they run a very fast paced offense. Like they. What they put up more possessions than most of the team and most of the teams in the NBA. So I don't care if you're naturally chunky or what, you got to be in good shape if you're going to survive the Hawks' offense. And that's what I think was his his downfall. I think the GM just looked at him and said, "Look, man, I think you're going to be a good NBA player, but not for us, not for the type of offense we want to run." We'll holler. Yeah, and I think that Jabari is basically like, you know, him. Well, not really. No, they're 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 different players. Uh, Jabari is gonna really give us an offensive punch. I think this really kind of solidifies the Hawks as like a playoff contender. Uh, really, uh, we, you know, this was kind of like a. I mean, he still fits in that timeline. Like you said, he's 24. So he's not like a – it's not like we out here signing like a vet, like a backup power forward or whatever. Like, that's what Jabari is really going to play, that backup power forward. You know, he's going to be probably in a 3-4 rotation with, you know, between Cam and John. And, you know, the Hawks have a lot of bodies, like a lot of – we got a lot of – Six, eight niggas on the court. Like, well, I like that. We got a lot of those. We got a lot of them. Now that we got Jabari – yeah. I mean, I look at our – I posted it earlier. If you look at the Hawks, and I'm sorry, fans. I know it's supposed to be we talking about free agency. We, we going on a tangent about the Hawks. But if you listen to this podcast, you know that's what we do. So, 
you're here because you like that shit. Um, now I was looking at, I was looking at you know, Alan Crab. He's like six six. Evan Turner six seven. Jabari six eight. Um, um, Cam Reddish six eight six nine. Those are four guys coming off our bench, <laughs> and they're versatile. Like that's truly a point guard through the four, and they're all within like an inch and a half of each other's height. And they and and they got long arms and and shit. And they can and that's that's a lot of versatility that Coach Lloyd Pierce can just kind of plug and play and say, hey, Kevin Herter comes come, come grab a breather. I'm gonna throw in Cam Reddish, or maybe I'm gonna throw in Jabari, and we're gonna play bigger. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna play the four, and we're gonna push uh, John Collins to the five. Like, whoo! That's that's some good versatility, man. <laughs> And I really think our true potential is going to depend on how how well can John Collins play the five. Uh, we got to do a we got to do a um, a Hawks podcast, you know, more Hawk centric about the future. I say a little bit after summer league after we see how yeah. it's going to play, but uh, definitely that was a good signing for the Hawks, Jabari Parker. That basically I like it, man. It, it adds a bona fide score to the bench. Someone can get their own bucket, and when you when you start looking at guys like Evan Turner, Jabari Parker, and Alan Crabb, individually, none of them make you just do a cartwheel. But together, it kind of reminds you that of that Golden State bench where it's like, hey, you got a lot of guys who aren't quite stars, but if you put them in a limited role, they can give you some very valuable minutes. Yeah. Very valuable minutes. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I just mean I was gonna say real quick. So when Trey Young and John Collins sit down, the offense doesn't have to come to a halt. Like you got a good feeling that these guys can put together some buckets for five minutes while the starters get a rest, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, and I can see Lloyd Pierce trying to uh, mix in. I know we were running and gunning last year. I guess he just wanted to see what they had, you know, just kind of get out there, run, and see what you got, man. And I think Lloyd Pierce is going to implement, because we have more um, we have more guys who've actually played rotation minutes in the NBA. Uh, we have, you know, this isn't the, um, you know, yeah, we're bringing on three rookies. Uh, yeah. But we still have a good mix of, you know, nice, solid, you know, guys who've been rotation guys in the NBA. And, you know, these young up-and-coming stars and Trey Young and John Collins, I think we're going to start running more offense. We're going to see, you know, yeah. not, not necessarily just running and gunning all the time. It's going to be more, you know, some more plays where, you know, we can know we know we're going to get a bucket out of it, some good possessions where we're featuring different guys. It's like we have so many weapons right now. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we got – we got some ball handlers. We got some guys who, you know, I just want to see. I want to see who really breaks out on the wing first. Like, that's that's really gonna determine our true ceiling as Hawks as Hawks. But you know, that's no nothing. So let me ask you this: <coughs> moving, moving to the main event. The main event. What uh, what Marshawn Lynch said. You know, why I'm here. <laughs> There's been some things you you've hinted towards it. You said the championship, the 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 finals that's gonna come through LA. Who you want to talk about first, man? The Clippers or the Lakers? 
Man, good God Almighty. Um, let's let's talk about the uh, let's talk about we we kind of touched on the Lakers in the bench already. Um, I guess we can get there first. Let let's finish that out. I got a point I need to make right quick with the Lakers because their team is pretty much there. Both of the teams are pretty much solidified. I got a point with the Lakers I need to make. They need a score. Who needs to score? The Lakers. They got them. Nah, nah. They need a bench score. They don't have one. They don't. I know those guys are pretty hard to come by. Just a bona fide bench score. But people aren't really saying, like, you know, uh, okay. They're talking about Star LeBron at point guard. Right? You're saying Jared Dudley's not a scorer? What, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> what? You're saying Avery Bradley's not a scorer? Oh, my God. <laughs> Avery Bradley can, like, be. KCP, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> you no. Know, these guys are, you know, the Lakers were. The Lakers were clearly scrambling when Kawhi dropped the bomb of all bombs, you know, like when Kawhi signed and then we see Paul George sign. It's like, oh, my God, he gets traded. And it's like, oh, my God, what just happened? So the Lakers just hurry up and got everybody who they had everybody on speed now. It was like, fuck it. Let's 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 sign everybody, everybody, you know, um, KCP. Man, you know, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think they actually pieced that team together really well. I know, like, get me wrong, they did, they did, but they still need one more piece. Well, you know, what's gonna happen is midseason they're gonna trade with the Warriors to get D'Angelo Russell, Ooh. and um, they're gonna that's that's gonna be it, that's gonna be Thanos, you know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> that's gonna be it. I don't know what they got to trade to get him, um, but I can see D'Lo. I, can, I mean, the Lakers are aggressive. Rob Polinka is aggressive. And if he thinks that, you know, that's what it's going to take to make it work, I can see D'Lo putting on a Lakers jersey by the end of the season. Either him or, nah, Bradley Bill ain't going nowhere, man. That boy's stuck in the ghetto. He's stuck in the projects. Um, but mm, you're right. You're right. The Lakers – could use another guy, but what I think is they have the they have the luxury of staggering their lineups to where Boogie can be the focus of the offense uh, for the bench. Um, and Boogie gets buckets, so especially if he's healthy. And I think with that, that's going to make up for a lot. The fact that they got Boogie on there are hey, you never know. Mid-season pickup, there's a guy, um, uh, Carmelo, uh, Carmelo Anthony. Mello. I've been saying that, Melo, Melo Johnson, man. I've been my boy Joe been getting buckets in a big three. He been getting buckets. Go look at everybody. Somebody needs to sign Joe Johnson. Somebody, Somebody needs to sign, need to sign Joe, Joe Johnson because he is getting buckets. I know he he won't produce like that in the NBA, whatever. But if a team needs a guy who can give you, who can get hot, 
and give you 12, 15. Hell, Joe can drop 20 or 30 on you if you wanted to. Joe, Joe, can. Joe can get some buckets for real. Like he can go out there and get some buckets. And I've been I've been saying it. They need a score. And all I'm looking at is this. Like you said, I I truly I'm I'm in total agreement with the whole staggering thing. They have the luxury of doing that. They have Boogie, A D, they have LeBron. You can stagger those guys all day and you can go there be a point where you know you'll always have one of those guys on the court. You can do that. But I mean, at a certain point, there's gonna be especially in the playoffs, right? You're going to see that bench a little bit more, right? And this yeah. one of those guys need a blow. Is when because you know you're playing your starters heavy minutes. You're playing them 40 minutes a game. LeBron might play the whole game. I don't think he can probably do that anymore, but the, like he I'm just saying when you giving those guys a blow. You're going to be you're going to look at that bench and you'll be like, "Who the hell going to score the ball?" Rondo. <laughs> they have a lot of guys who can give you 8 to 12 points. They need right now, the Lakers, a guy who can give you 15 points per game coming off the bench. Or like he he's he's in that role. I believe that guy can be Quinn Cook. I'm 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 Quinn between Quinn Cook and Boogie, they should be okay with it. They should be okay. They don't need another shooter. I've been saying that. They're like, oh, Kyle Corver. They don't really – I think they're okay with shooting. I think they're fine. With, they will be okay. I don't think they'll be, like, top five in threes made, but I think they will be okay with three-point shooting. You have LeBron and AD or whatever. Yeah, like, I feel like they will oh, – Kyle Corver won't move the needle, you know, on this team as much as he would probably on another team, you know? Um, Cal Corver is like one season away from like retiring. Like we all know he can shoot, but like it's getting to the point where how valuable is his only thing he can provide to the court right now? Like he, I and I'm I love Cal Corver, but damn, like yeah, I feel like Cal needs to be in Philly. Honestly, if I was him, I I'll look to you know kind of slide into that JJ Redick role, maybe on a lesser level. Cause I run off the screen, shoot that three. Yeah, boom, there you go. And I don't think he needs to go and get lost on the Lakers bench because that's what he's gonna end up doing. Cause they're gonna be like, okay, what else can you do besides shoot? Because we, they're gonna need bucket getters. Okay, they're really gonna need some, but they're gonna need that guy. They need another guy who can get some buckets. Uh, and I'm I'm telling you, it's gonna be a point in the playoffs. Because we started to look at the Warriors like that, or we started look at like we started we like, damn, that bench is thin, man. They 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 really ain't got nobody. And you gonna look, you gonna look at Rondo sideways, like, oh man, what is Rondo doing? You gonna you gonna look at some players sideways, uh, you know, KCP when he's out there jacking up shots and he has, he's missed like eight straight threes and he's cold. You gonna look at those guys like, man, what are you doing? They can't score. And then you know LeBron's gonna have to come back out there and it's like you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get into that. But if they had a score, who guy who can give you fifteen? A Melo, a Joe Johnson, or whoever. Yeah, one of those guys is coming. Nine times out of ten is mellow because that's LeBron's home. That's banana bat, uh, banana boat, homie. So, um, we'll see. Hey, D Wade might come out of retirement. <laughs> Parker would have been good for them, honestly. It would have, man. Um, 
that's that's an interesting um point. You're right. Uh Jabari gets buckets. If he doesn't do anything else, he can score. Um, that's what he's gonna be doing on the Hawks. But so, like he's not a great defender. No, nah, uh, he's not gonna lock anybody down on defense. Uh, he's he's out there to get some buckets, um, get some rebounds. That's about it. You know. He shoots forty nine percent from the field. So yeah. hey, he can get some buckets. He can get some buckets. So let's go to the other. Let's go to the other side of um. Staples Center. Yeah, man, just across the hall. Yeah, Staples Center. Yeah, um, across the hall. The other locker room. We we got the Clippers. The Clippers. We got the Clippers. Man, I said I wouldn't believe it until it happened. What it do, baby? What it do, baby? (laughs) (laughs) One of the most. Serge Ibaka is a great cameraman. Because he purposely left out the part of that video where Kawhi was rolling up that blunt. Oh, like, he was clearly rolling up a blunt. Clearly, clearly rolling it up. Clearly rolling up. Like, hey, like, he, <laughs> he was like, oh, shit, what he do, baby? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can, you can convince somebody he was on the phone, but the way his hands were, he was rolling something. Yeah, like, he, he was definitely rolling it up. It looked like they was in the back with somebody's car, and they was finna, they was finna blaze up. Like, they was finna blaze up. Like, Serge Ibaka probably brought some of that Congo weed or something. And I want to say in Toronto, recreational weed is legal. I just remembered that it is. <laughs> it very much is. But he was 1,000% about to roll up. So what you think about the Clippers, man? Um, man, the Clippers have basically put themselves into a, a real championship conversation, and it is all because of Jerry West. Uh, the motherfucking logo, um, has done it again. Like when I seen Jerry West went to the Clippers last year, and he always goes in some type of consultant role. I feel like he just like. You know, he's some type of consultant or whatever. He's he's done. I feel like he doesn't show up to the office every day. You know, he none of that. But he's in a in a consultant role. When I saw that, I was like, what are the Clippers doing? What are they trying to do? We getting Jerry West over here, man. Man, this guy once again. They and they've been making the moves all year long. Uh trading CP3 two years ago. Yeah. Then trading Tobias. Getting that cap space, and they fired a guy who was talking shit about Kawhi. They fired that guy. They was like, "Out of town." was like, "Hey man, you gotta go." You know that. That was so funny to me when it happened. It was like he was just like, "Well, he was on ESPN or Fox FS1 or some shit." Said something. He he got up out of. He was like, "Yo, you gotta go, man." You gotta motherfucking go, man. Like, and then Kawhi. Like, you know, Kawhi, I feel like I don't think the Lakers was like an option, really. Now that I look back on it, um, Kawhi knew if they it was all three of them, like, they weren't getting Danny Green, they weren't getting uh, some of these valuable guys on the play on the Lakers that you know they now have. Uh, you know, we probably came for the minimum, they would have got some more minimum guys, but do you really want to see that team like that? No. I um, think the Lakers were his backup plan. Like, if he could not get a star to join him in the Clippers, he would be a Laker. And it's like, 
what <laughs> him calling up Paul George and was like, "Yo, man, go record the trade." That's gangster. Like that's just gangster, like for real. And then, what do you think about Toronto? Could have possibly had Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And possibly Kawhi, because I'm pretty sure Kawhi would have stayed in Toronto then because, you know, Paul George is there. Like, what do you think about that? Like, we got to do a podcast. We got to do a whole separate – I feel like we need to do a whole separate thing about what's going on in OKC, for real, for real, because it's like that's a – that's that's a – that's just turn the whole franchise around, for real. But what do you think, like, about that? Because it came out that – Toronto basically could have got both of them. And it's like, damn. Yeah, for Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam, um, Van Fleet, and some picks. And I think Ujiri was like, you know what? I feel like I'm being leveraged. And said so he felt like he was being leveraged against the Clippers or whatever. And it was just a smart move because it's like, damn, I'm going to get all this money back. And, you know, I'm losing my young, valuable player. And I get it. We can run we can run things back. But what if this shit really don't work? Like, I got a championship team already. I need Kawhi to come back. I don't need Paul George and, and Russ, especially not Russ. But I- That's the thing. Like, Russ and Paul George didn't. They already proven that they're good, but not great. Um, yeah, in the East, they probably could have made a little bit more noise, but it's like, dang, do I really want to take all that on? Exactly. And that's a lot of money. Like, that's a lot of money to devote to someone who are a pair of guys that aren't guaranteed to get you the chip. So, you know, he's a great GM. He turned it down. Um, I feel like... Who I feel like Shannon Sharp made a very good point on um his show with um uh, Skip Bayless, um you know he kind of just alluded to the fact that you know there's such a double standard you know if LeBron goes out and recruits guys to come play with him superstar guys to come play with him then people say oh why does LeBron need so much help why does he always want to ask for help and if he doesn't recruit guys then there's like, oh, no one wants to go play with LeBron. So LeBron's in like, a, he, he's in a, a situation where he can't win. Um, but on the flip side, you got the guy who just was an MVP candidate and won the finals MVP, Kawhi Leonard. He goes and recruits. I mean, he called up KD. He called up Kyrie. He called up PG. He landed PG. So obviously he's recruiting his ass off, and no one's like, oh, Kawhi can't do it alone. What's uh, that's so weak? No, like that's only LeBron's the only one that gets that treatment. Even though the conversation is very live and active, that you know every single day someone says LeBron's not the best player anymore. They say it's Kevin Durant. They say it's Kawhi Leonard. You know they 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 say it's it's Steph Curry on a good day. You know so you know, hey, more power to Kawhi if he can make his moves without any criticism. Um. But I tell you what, I tell you what, you still got to go through Braun, baby. <laughs> I, I think that Western Conference Finals is still going to go through LeBron James. Um, health permitting, if that Lakers team stays healthy, and I love what the Clippers did. I love what the Clippers did. But if the Clippers want to win that ring, we're going to see maybe the greatest Western Conference Finals of all time. What we wanted to see, in Golden State and Houston, I think we're going to get that in the Lakers versus the Clippers. 
I just hope everybody stays healthy. Kawhi's on load management. Uh, Paul George's shoulders be about to fall off by the end of the season. Uh, LeBron is getting older. Anthony Davis is always liable to come up gimpy. DeMarcus Cousins is, you know, it's a lot of reasons. It's a lot of things that can happen that can derail this. But if the basketball gods can just be so kind as to just let us have the Clippers versus the Lakers in the in the Western Conference Finals, Lord have mercy, I would be a happy young man. I mean, that's what I want to see. Because, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can you dribble around the perimeter with Patrick Beverly and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out there? Oof. I mean, how can you dribble? Yeah, only God that literally, I feel like that's why they went and made LeBron a point guard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, literally, the only guy who could really probably actually handle the ball around them on that team. Well, I say two, there's two guys. Rondo and LeBron are the only two guys on the Lakers who can handle the ball on that team good enough to not get the ball ripped from them damn near every single time. Because Kawhi, I'm taking them cookies. Like, he's he taking them. Like, I, do you see the way this man grabs the ball? Like, one hand. Like, one, one, hand. one hand. Like, dang. And it's, it's so, like, Kawhi and this fun guy shit has really got the whole NBA messed up. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> like, I, mean, I can't just tell you everything. I mean, <laughs> have to find out what you didn't see. And what, bro, that laugh set it off. Like, he he really set it off with that laugh. Yeah, I'm a fun yes. Uh, you know, I guess you just have to wait and see. I don't even know you saying that, to be honest. <laughs> like, he hit you with the – and everybody was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he laughs like that? Okay, cool. And he, ever since then, it's just been like, come on, man. And Kawhi has – it's the thing is, I'm so surprised they got to keep Lou Williams. That's what it really – Because they only pay him $8 million. Yeah, that that's true, and I think Lou is vastly, vastly, vastly underpaid. Like he is probably the most underpaid guy in the NBA based on production. He can average twenty points a game. Like seriously, he can do that off the bench. Think about it, we we just spent fifteen minutes talking about how uh, uh, Chris Middleton does not average twenty points, and he's got a hundred and ninety million dollar contract, and Lou Will is out here. Giving out buckets left and right, and he getting eight million dollars. What? But Lou did that a couple of years ago for continuity. I mean, he just wanted to be, he just wanted a sense of, of peace because he had been traded like two or three times within the last season or two, and he was like, he was like, he got, he saw his kids with the like a Lakers shorts and and a and a Rockets jersey on. He was like, you know what, fuck this, like you know. And he was on the Clippers, and he, I guess, he kind of was like, yo, can we work out some type of extension? You know, I know I'm, you know, I know I'm, I know what I'm worth, but I know like you know what I'm worth as far as to my family. I feel like it was a good, smart business move by him going and securing that. You know, you never know what happens in the NBA and everything and you know Lou Lou already tore his ACL early in his career with the Hawks and um that was you know I you know he's only getting paid eight mil that's crazy he's at least based on some of these contracts he can get 20 mil man 
Dude, um, um, Jamal Murray, how much money he just got? Good God, five, seven, five years, one seventy. I think. <laughs> Good God, and you cannot convince me he's a better basketball player than Lou Will. <laughs> not right now, not right now, not at this very moment, right now. But I feel like they're trying to base it off of future future production. I would have gave him another year to see what I really have in him because he's still a restricted free. He would have he's. I think he came in in 16 or something. Yeah, I think he came in in 16. So he has a whole nother year before that that contract even kicks in. Like a whole nother year. He's still going to be getting paid on Ricky scale deal this year. He he just – that money is just already guaranteed to him. It's crazy. And I would have gave him another year just to kind of see what I had. And maybe midway through the season I would have been like, all right, or something. But I I don't know. That's what type of GM I would be. I'm just saying, I wouldn't just be handing out extensions like a year before your big, you know, your big deal. Like, you know, maybe if you're, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, I can see why our team would do that because, you know, it's a center. But, you know, guards are so, you know, they're come and go nowadays, point guards are. So, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't did that if I was Denver. But, you know, yeah. we, uh, we went. We I think that's that's pretty much it for. Well, shouts out to Tobias Harris for getting that one eighty. Yeah, no one talks about that man. He signed that mass deal with Philly, and um, I think it's good value. He gives them what they need. Exactly what they need. You know, not to like he he doesn't need to handle the ball like that, and he can shoot off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. He's a perfect guy. Plug in. That's a plug in twenty points a game at least. You know, he, he plugs that in every game, so efficient. He was damn near averaging, you know, he was shooting like 50% from the field last year. Like, he, he's very, very efficient. Uh, I love me some Tobias Harris. He just – I feel like him them getting Jimmy out of there kind of opens that uh, – opens up the offense a little bit more, you know, for Tobias. So, him yeah. getting that is a – I would rather have that than Chris Middleton getting that <laughs> I mean, come on, Tobias is way better than Chris Miller. Not not way better, but I think he is just more of a – I mean, I, I disagree with you. I, I would rather have Tobias Harris than Chris Middleton. But that's the today's economy in the NBA. Like, the NBA is a wildly, a wildly successful league. Um, even when people don't watch NBA games, they talk about NBA games. They tweet about NBA games. They'll stream NBA games. So – so that's the versatility of the NBA, and 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 people buy NBA jerseys. Like you're more likely to see someone rocking a LeBron jersey than you are to see somebody wearing a Tom Brady jersey. You know, it's 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 that aspect of the league that drives up the profits and allows someone like Chris Middleton to make 190 million dollars in five years. Um, so get paid, young man, get paid. Um, but I will say this about the Clippers. If you get past that fierce perimeter defense, <laughs> that's a country buffet <laughs> in the lane, boy. They have no big man. They have- that's a country buffet, boy. Uh, Lions, Western Sizzling for the old folks. Yeah. Uh, Golden Corral. Uh, that's <laughs> They ain't got nothing down there, man. 
So it's going to be interesting to see. Just the same way you said the Lakers' deficiency is scoring off the bench, I think the Clippers' deficiency was going to be a perimeter. I'm not perimeter, but post-defense, paint, you know, defense in the painted area. So we're going to see which one, you know, means the most and affects those teams the most, man. But, yeah, man, I think I think we covered it all. Hello? Hello, hello, hello. 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 There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think that um that um what to your point, they're gonna get eight up down low. And um that's gonna be something to uh the Lakers do have that advantage. They have all the big men too. So rebounding and post defense, um definitely gonna be a thing of of um, but if you can get down there, that's like like you were saying. If you can get down right. there, uh, they gonna they gonna lead the league in steals. Um, oh yeah, yeah, easily. I think they're gonna lead the league in steals. But yeah, man, I think we we covered it all. Um, yeah, uh, I think we we're probably gonna break this up. In, I'm gonna break this up into two parts. So okay. the so the first part, we'll I'm gonna drop them both. We'll have uh, two parts to it. So. You guys get more content from us, <laughs> but uh, flood it, flood them, flood them with it. But all right, man, I think that's that's about it for us. Gotcha, 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 man. Well, peace, man. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about the Hawks real soon. All right, I'm with you. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for listening once again to another great episode of the Goat Talk. We know we have hit you over the head with our hot takes and we love it. Thank you for being a part of the Goat family and continue to be a part of the Goat family by subscribing and telling your friends. You got to grow. You got to help us grow. We trying to grow. We trying to get out there. And we want you to be a part of all this. You want to jump on the bandwagon now because this bandwagon, we're only going up from here. we only going up from here. From the Scott Bros and the rest of the GOAT family, thank you for, for being a part of this and for listening to our podcast. Continue to show love. And we will show love back, I promise. So, again, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll come with more content soon.